I'm Rachel. And I'm Becky. And this is Rachel and Becky Judge Things. We have some notes about your favorite things. Don't at us. We don't really have that many notes. No. We really liked this. Yeah. something we have heard about from the internet. Maybe the internet loved it, maybe the internet hated it, and we judge for ourselves whether the internet was right or wrong, because the internet is often wrong. But in this case... You know what's funny is there haven't been that many things. The internet has been so... Uh, listen, we are recording this on March 18th? 15th, March 16th. March 16th. Time has no meaning. The world has ceased to exist. It's the Monday of the week that New York City public schools have been shut down. Nobody has talked about anything but coronavirus for eight or nine days. I've been working from home for, a, it'll be a week as of tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I will be back in school tomorrow, but school is closed, but I still have to go, but there's 40 teachers at my school, but gatherings of people over 10 are supposed to be, listen, it's a whole great big mess, and uh, I'm sorry, no I'm not, I used our Twitter, our podcast Twitter, for some very angry tweets about keeping the schools open, because I think it is crazy and dangerous to have kept the schools open as long as we did. Yeah, so Rachel used our Twitter to make her anger known, particularly to Bill de Blasio, uh, as I did did on Twitter as well, because Bill de Blasio (laughs) is bad. Who turned into be, who who had at his best been kind of a nothing mayor, is now an actively terrible mayor. Um, And... Uh, yeah, so there was a lot of yelling at him and a lot of stress and anxiety, uh, but Cuomo, thankfully, was like, mm. <laughs> What a weird... So, anyway... I was literally just reading an article that was like, nobody liked Cuomo until this week, but it turns out that what we needed was a control freak whose only interest is getting people to obey him. Yeah. Uh, no, in, you know what? You know what? I'm, I don't like Cuomo, but I've never laughed... Well, that's not true. Because I laughed at Marco Rubio even harder. But my first hardest laugh of the day was Bill de Blasio goes to the gym, passerbyers calling him an idiot, followed by eight minutes later, Cuomo announces all gyms must close. Because <laughs> that is some petty-ass shit, and I uh, love that for them. For those of you who are not uh, Yeah, if you don't live in New York, this and might you don't not. know what we're talking about. This is a real inside Bill de, baseball. Bill de Blasio is our mayor, <sighs> who is, has been pretty terrible over the last couple weeks, and Cuomo is our governor, who is usually unremarkable. I mean, he's not good. He hasn't done good. positive things. But he hasn't done, so... Like, he didn't fix the subways. No. But he's, he's, he's been okay, and since last year, when the majority of the state legislature went blue, he has passed everything they brought yeah, to him. Yeah, so he's been something. down with stuff like early voter registration, yeah. and you know, so, he, he's anyway. actively, like, working for stuff that we want, since now we're asking for it. He's like, all right, I don't give a fuck. But, but he is also a big fan of big businesses. But Ugh. anyway, the upshot is that Cuomo and de Blasio hate each other, oh, hate have hated each other for a few years now. Every time something happens in the city, you just watch the buck ping back and forth between <laughs> them as they both refuse to do anything and also refuse to let the other do anything. This was great, though, because de Blasio was not going to close the schools. He was like full-on, I don't care that L.A. and Boston and Chicago have all closed their schools and they have fewer cases than New York. Surely New York City has to keep its schools open because the kids need somewhere to go, as if I have a master's degree in babysitting and getting sick, which is just insane. So anyway, Cuomo tweeted 
the schools will be shut down. And then there were all these things that were like, yeah, he's on a conference call with Bill right now. And then Bill was like, oh, I think I've decided to close the schools down. And we were all like, have you, Bill? Have you decided? Or was Cuomo just like, listen, you got 30 seconds to shut this shit down or I'm showing up with a padlock. Anyway, they hate each other, which in this case was helpful to me personally and my not dying of COVID-19. Yeah, and I, meanwhile, my company is actually, I work for a company that does uh, websites, but they're specifically health health websites. And so they, like, a week and a half ago had been like, anybody who wants to work remotely can because it's on the internet, so we all had the ability to anyway. And then early last week they were like, hey, that want to is no longer the case. It's not optional. Everybody is working remote for basically at least through the end of the month, and then we'll see. Anyway, so we... Uh, are a couple weeks late <laughs> with this episode. Sorry, there's just been so much world. Don't worry, all of my recommendations at the end, I have like eight recommendations for things you can binge that are soothing and have nothing to do with this. Yeah, uh, which has been what we've been doing. So it's been it's been very incredibly stressful <laughs> here. Uh, so, But the good news is that now that we are socially isolated... Yeah, we can watch so much more we're gonna, stuff. We're going to watch so much stuff, so perhaps our next episode will be on time. It's possible. I do have plans to watch Cats tomorrow night as a live chat with my whole friends chat. Oh, that'll be fun. I should, if, if you're doing that, I should yeah. call my friends. Yeah, we can we can all watch Cats and it's going to be a watch-along, drink-along. Excellent. I mean, it's Cats. They're putting it out early on digital because of the snow day? We're shut in? Quarantine? What, what, it doesn't matter. Anyway. Well, anyway, the world is a... Let's not talk about it anymore. Yo. Let's make this podcast a, a, a safe place. And we'll, we'll uh, note when we transition to not talking about that, so anybody who wants, and put yeah, that in the skip the, the first. So uh, anybody who wants to skip past that can. Anyway, for this episode, we watched Knives Out. The- I've literally had Knives Out open in a tab on my computer for a month. Since whenever it came out, I've had a tab open that was like, would you like to buy or rent this movie on Amazon? And I've just been waiting to click yes for weeks and weeks and weeks, because... We've been busy and stressed out about things we're not going to talk about anymore. Yeah, so we finally did. Um, So the reason we chose Knives Out is because everybody has seen it and loved it, (laughs) and Chris Evans wears a big chunky sweater. Oh, it was so good, and I really wanted to watch it, but I had been told that as a person who cannot handle people throwing up, I should Mm -hmm. probably not go see it. Yeah, same. And then I saw it and I was okay. It was fine. I was pretty, pretty grossed out. Oh, really? I thought it was, like, pretty minimal. Hmm. It was not as bad as I was afraid it was, but I was pretty gross. Yeah, I think I was picturing, like, that scene from Monty Python in The Life of Brian where Mr. Creosote just throws up for, like, ten straight minutes. Yeah, or even the scene from Spy where she... Yeah, it was not as bad as either. So it was not as bad as other vomit in pop culture we've (laughs) we've experienced, but it it was... Anyway, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so this movie stars uh, everyone's darling Chris Evans and also everyone else. Um, My darling Chris Evans. And... Was written and directed by Ryan Johnson Ooh, of like The it. Last Jedi, which we loved. Um, uh, Anna de Armas, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Sheen, uh, Christopher Plummer, uh, a lot of other people. Oh, um, 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 who plays the main, the main detective? Daniel Craig? Is it yes. Daniel Craig? Doing the weirdest, I mean, it's an amazing southern midnight in the garden of good and evil accent. I do declare the whole way through. It is very funny. Uh, and it is a uh, spoiler just as delightful as you'd hope that it would be. Are we going to Are we gonna talk it's about that? It's not Michael Sheen. It's Michael Shannon. Oh, eh, you're right. You're right. Uh, I forgot how many syllables he had in his last name. So it's not the uh, angel. 
It's Tony Collette also. Tony Collette was Plummer. great. I said Christopher Plummer. Oh, sorry. I, think. I was too busy okay. opening IMDb to check if it was Michael Shannon. <laughs> you, I mean, you were right that it was not Michael Sheen. That would have been quite an amazing thing, though. I, it's just like this phenomenal cast. And one it's, of the things I really liked about the phenomenal cast is that it is not obvious immediately who is going to be the bad guy. Yeah, so it's... It's not an episode of... Uh, yeah, it's, it's the show, or the the movie is a murder Chung Chung. mystery. What's that show called? Law and Order. Law and Order. But it's it's not an episode of Law and Order where the one person you recognize who's guest starring is obviously the one who did it, because everybody is A-list and really fantastic, and so it still could be any of them. Um, so we should recap it. Uh, so we're going to spoil it, but I highly recommend watching yeah, it. Yeah, you should just um, stop this and go watch you should, it. You should, go like, rent it. You'll be fine if you know the spoilers. It's not like, oh my god, a giant twist. No, but it is a really good, well-written... But it's really well put together, so I I would recommend just watching it regardless. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. I like it so much. So would you like to recap? I mean, I can try. We just watched it yesterday, and I'm already like, wow, there were a lot of characters. I love it. Christopher Plummer is an old mystery writer who lives in a giant house with his horrible, horrible family. He's got a horrible daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis, and she has a horrible husband. Uh, and uh, there is a horrible... Tony Collette is there, and she's somebody's ex-wife, maybe? She, she is... One of his kids died, and she's the widow. Yeah, and she... Her daughter is... What's her name from Love, Simon? What's her name? She's really famous now. She's in everything. She's got the long hair and the big eyes. Catherine Langford? Catherine Langford. And uh, they are obviously, like, sucking Christopher Plummer dry. The, Tony Collette, you find out pretty early on, is... Uh, taking money allegedly for her daughter's college and then like double dipping so she's getting like $200,000 a year for college. College is expensive but like come on. And then there's Michael Shannon uh, and he's a Nazi or his wife he and his wife are deeply unpleasant and their kid is definitely their kid is definitely a Nazi which they sort of call out as a little bit of a joke but like they have this extended conversation. So the, the main character of the movie is Christopher Plummer's nurse who is Guatemalan. I don't think they ever actually say where she's from. So a bunch of the white people call her different things. They're like, "Oh, you're from Colombia. Oh, you're from Guatemala." And it's very clear that they do not know or give a fuck where she's from. You do find out that her mom is not here uh, legally. Her, na- her name is Marta. Her name is Marta, and Marta is wonderful, and Marta is our main character, so Marta gets a lot of, like, random conversations where they're saying things like, well, I don't care if you don't come here legally, you don't get to stay, you have to do the right thing, if you broke the law, you shouldn't get to stay. Right, Marta? You came here for the right reasons, right, Marta? And she's just standing there like, fuck these white people, but, like, in a really polite, please don't fire me kind of way, because that is her life. But there's also a housekeeper. Um, yeah, so Marta is really, she's really fun and pleasant and she's genuinely kind, and so she has actually become really good friends with Christopher Plummer. One of the great running gags of the movie is that every single member of the family goes, you know, Marta, we really wanted you at the funeral, but I got outvoted. Every single member of the family says to her, I really want, I think you deserve to You're be at the funeral. You're such a member of the family. But you know, I got outvoted. It's, it's just amazing. So, uh... The, the family is all being questioned by these two police officers who do not seem particularly interested in this. It's a suicide. The old man died by suicide. It seems very clear to the police. And then you realize that there is another person w- witnessing these interview sessions, which uh, are the second round of interviews. And it's Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> it's not not Foghorn Leghorn. No, it, it absolutely is. Well, it's also, it's the, the lawyer from Futurama. Yes, chicken. very much so. I may be just a humble country chicken, but I do have to ask, why are you covered in blood? <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. And that's Daniel Craig doing 
the most. Like, everyone in this movie is having a great time. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis is really enjoying playing this really unpleasant woman. Michael Shannon is having an amazing time playing this really angry... He's the youngest kid. He's supposed to inherit the whole publishing empire he's been running and... And his, his uh, dad wouldn't let them sell, like, wouldn't sell the rights to Netflix uh, and was clearly about to fire him. He was also about to tell Jamie Lee Curtis that her crappy husband was cheating on her. Right. Um, and and like, he was going to cut off Tony Collette. And we also, like, Chris Evans is a grandson. He's Jamie Lee Curtis's kid? I think so. Yeah, the, the ages are a little weird there. But, uh, so, and, and we find out that there was a big party the night he died at which it was the, the Nazi teenager overheard Grandpa tell Chris Evans, you're out of the will, and Chris Evans said, I'm gonna get you. What was it he said? I don't remember. So everybody has a reason, everybody has a motive, and by the way, Chris Evans' name is Ransom. His name is literally, his name is Hugh Ransom McGillicuddy. What is their last Thromby. name? Thromby. It's McGillicuddy, might as well be. Uh, and so, so everybody has, every... Everybody has a motive, there's reason to be suspicious of everyone, and Daniel Craig is questioning them all, and we're seeing what they tell him, and then also what really happened in those scenes, yeah. so it's like, it's very clear that Christopher Plummer is going to cut them all out of the will, yeah. like... Fuck them all! Because uh, they're all very bad. As, as they all lie about, like, what their conversations with and him And they all is. implicate each other immediately. Yeah. Uh, and, and every... And there's also, he makes a comment to, to Marta that basically, where she's like, I know this was really stressful for you, but you've been meaning to do it for a long time. And he was like, yeah, they all have it coming. Oh, and his mom is still alive. Yes. <laughs> she appears to be about 150 years old. She just sits there staring creepily into space. It's wonderful. It's yes. really, really great. Uh, so the detective calls in Marta to interview her, and she's like, I don't know what you want with me. And he goes, well, I've heard this funny thing about you, which is that whenever you lie, you throw up. And she's like, I don't know where you could have heard that from. And then she throws up. And he's like, well, this is what I'm saying. So I want you to be my assistant and help me out with this investigation. We'll, we'll do this whole thing together. It'll be great. And she goes home and she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I can't remember where the flashback happens. It's, in there, as she's panicking, we see what really happened. So what really happened was she went upstairs. She was playing go with the old man. She beat him. He flipped the table as usual. And then she was kind of teasing him about it. And he was like, you're the only person worth worth a darn or whatever and she went to give him his normal nightly shot of whatever he takes and she accidentally used the wrong vial the vial marked morphine and she gave him like a hundred cc's when he's supposed to get three and he's like oh well that's interesting what happens now and she's like well i either give you the antidote in the next 10 minutes or you you die and she starts to cry and her hands are shaking and she's like don't worry it's in my bag and she goes through her bag and it's not there and he is like, well, this would be a very interesting plot twist from one of my novels. And she's like, please don't make a joke about this. I have to do something. I don't know what to do. I'm going to call 911. And he says, no, I'll be dead before an ambulance gets here. So here's what we're going to do. And he outlines for her the perfect alibi. So he's like, you're going to sneak out this one. You're going to make a big deal of leaving and announce what time it is. Say goodbye. Tell them, wow, I can't believe it's midnight. Then you're going to drive away. You're going to stop the car. You're going to come back. Don't get caught on the camera. You're going to sneak in through here. You're going to come up through the trick window. You're going to... What is she coming back into the house to do? Oh, to take the bag or something? No, it wasn't to take the bag. I, I don't remember, but there's something she has to do without being seen, and then she has to sneak back out. And then she 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 sneaks back out, and uh, as she's sneaking out, she drops down the window, and great-grandma looks out the window and goes, Ransom? You're back? And it's great. 
And then she she runs away into the night, and she's crying and shaking, and we get a and zoom in that there's a little bit of blood on her sneaker. And, and dun, mean, dun, dun. meanwhile, he upstairs, he was, and she was like, but it, they'll know it's something medical because it doesn't look like you're, di- like you're dying. And he's like, aha, and he picks up a knife. And he goes, you can't even always tell a trick knife from a real knife anymore. And then he cuts his own throat. And so the, the death has been ruled a suicide. Right. And she knows that if it, they continue to investigate it, they'll find out that it was her fault. Yeah, even though, you know, it was arguably manslaughter and not murder, whatever it is. But she's still, like, obviously really upset, especially because of her mom, who is in a delicate position. And, and that's something else Christopher Palmer says. He knows her mom is undocumented, and he says, you can't afford to have them investigate this. You can't afford to, you know, not to, to lose your license. You can't afford any of that, so I'm gonna slit my own throat now and you're gonna do all this and I know you can do it and pull it off and she's like no I can't you know if I lie I'll throw up and he goes no so here's what you tell them and so you cut back to her in the interview with Daniel Craig saying I left at midnight and I I heard the next day that it was a suicide which are both true things you know and so she's like very carefully skirting around he's like well I I do declare and he asks her I won't do the accent the whole (laughs) way through but it is darned funny what is his character's name Uh, it's hilarious Benoit Benoit, Benoit Blanc. Blanc. Benoit Blanc. Uh, and uh, so he's like, no, you're going to help me. So the next day they go through this whole thing where he's like walking around and she sees her own footsteps and very cleverly walks through the mud before he can. And he's like, no, 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 you're ruining the. Oh, well, now those footprints are no good. Or they go upstairs and she shows them something, but she's already sort of like arranged for it to seem. The dogs come run- The dogs love her. The dogs come running over with part of the windowsill she broke. And she, like, throws it and makes it seem not that suspicious. Oh, I don't know if you can hear our cat screaming in the background. Um, and meanwhile, we also find out that we don't know, that, that Benoit does not know who hired him. Right, he just got a it's, stack of cash. It's, it's a mystery within a mystery. So, you go to the will reading, and the lawyer at the will reading is like, well, he changed his who will. Who is Frank Oz. <laughs> who is Frank Oz. is like, well, he changed his will a week ago, and uh, here's what it says. And he reads a letter that's like, uh, I know you guys are all going to hate this, but it's for the best. And then he's like, so uh, the house goes to Marta, and the money goes to Marta, and the publishing rights go to Marta, and the $6 million goes to Marta. Goodbye, that's all. And the family just slowly in unison turns to Marta, and she's like, what the fuck? This is also the first time we see Ransom, by the way. Oh, yeah. He, he comes and in. And he starts laughing his head off because he thinks this is fucking hilarious. Uh, and so she sort of stands there not sure what to do and Benoit Blanc jumps up and is like, this would be a great time for you to run away. <laughs> and so she kind of goes out, but her car won't start and everybody's pounding on the door and screaming at her and like, Marta, you can't do this. Give us our money back. Of course you want to. You're like family to us. I would have let you come to the funeral, but I was outvoted. Uh, and then sh- uh, Ransom drives up. Chris Evans looking very handsome in a fisherman's sweater. And uh, she... He's like, hey, your car's not... Just jump in my car. This is fucking hilarious. So she gets in his car and they drive away. And they go to a diner and he's like, okay, well, you just ate something, so now you have to tell me the truth. What happened? Because I I know full well what happens when you lie. So tell me what really happened. And so she does. And he, like, stares into space for a little while. And he's just sort of, like, very nonplussed about it. And then he's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're not going to give him their money back. You're going to give me a cut. And I'm going to help you out of this situation. And she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, I don't like any of them. I just want my cut, so who cares? Uh, and the, there's a whole thing where the, the news shows up and her mom's like, oh, she's like, I don't know. And Michael Shannon shows up and kind of threatens her. He's like, boy, it would be a shame if anything happened to your mom. And she's like, 
okay. And he's like, but don't worry, I could hire lawyers to protect you if you give me the money back. And she's like, well, funny story, I have the money, so I could hire the lawyers, right? And then she shuts the door in his face. And Catherine Langford, who had been her actual kind of friend, calls into this very manipulative thing where she cries and she's like, you know, I won't be able to go to college anymore. You're ruining my life, Marta. I thought we were friends. And Marta's like, of course, I'll take care of you. And then when they hang up the phone, you see that Catherine Langford is surrounded by the family staring like creepy vultures. It's terrifying. Uh, and then she gets a ransom letter that's like, meet me here. I, I have the medical results. Yeah, it's the toxicology report, or it's the some of the toxicology report, which will, of course, show that he was initially killed by a morphine overdose, and that will implicate her, and they've already brought into it the fact that if, like, the, the Slayer Law, where if the person who stands to inherit is either found guilty of murder or manslaughter, uh, then that person does not inherit and the will would revert to what it was before a week ago, which would give them all, all of their money. So they're, they, they're like, oh my god, the toxicology report, and when they go to the lab, it is on fire. It has been blown up overnight, and she's like, what is happening? And then Benoit Blanc spots her, and there is a very low-speed car chase. <laughs> it, Marta in her, like, very old cars. With, with ransom. With ransom. And he's like, are you flooring it? She's like, I'm flooring it! Uh, but you regret helping me now. I regret that I didn't bring the Beamer. Yeah. And then they get pulled over. She's like, I give up. And she pulls over, and Benoit Blanc arrests Ransom because... Uh, they fi- they found out from the Nazi child. Oh, right, about the thing where he was definitely going to murder him, and he thinks it's really funny. So then Benoit Blanc and Marta are driving back, and she's like, do you mind if I run just one quick errand? And he's like, no, nah, I don't care. So she hops out of the car, does a nice double back to go into the place where she's supposed to meet the, uh, the ransomer. Not ransom, but the ransomer. The, the blackmailer. The blackmailer. Uh, which turns out to be the housekeeper who is basically dying and gasps out, you did it! And Marta is like... You stash. Yeah, stash, you did it. And Marta is like, oh shit, and then she realizes, like, she gets her medical bag back, but then she realizes the housekeeper is about to die, and she looks at the bag, and she looks at the housekeeper, and Marta, who is a nice person, calls 911 and does some rescue CPR, um, and manages to, to, well, I mean, and then... The, the ambulance is coming. The whole thing kind of happens. And Marta explains the whole thing to Benoit Blanc, who is like... She, she's figured out where the report is stashed. When they get back to the house and she's like, I'm going to confess, there's nothing I can do. Like, I'll just tell them what happened and they can all take my my money and I don't care and I'll go to jail, but my mom needs to be protected. The cat is attacking n- nothing. That's, the wall? Yeah, her shadow? Are you fighting your shadow? She does appear to be fighting her shadow. Okay, our cat is fighting her shadow. This is very cute and distracting. Okay, so, and then uh, Catherine Langford is like, God, I really need some of the housekeeper's stash of weed. And Marta's like, oh shit, I know where it is. And she grabs the copy of the toxicology report, gives it to Benoit Blanc, goes in to confess, and then Benoit Blanc comes running into the room. He's like, she does not confess. She did not do anything, and she's not giving you your money. Yeah, what she's about to confess is that you're all terrible, and you all keep saying that she's like family, but... None of you have ever treated her like family. You don't treat each other like family. You're all terrible people. And Nazis and ugh, white people bad. Yeah, and <laughs> then he ushers her out and she's like, but, but you have the report. You know I did it. And he was like, that's not what the report says. He's like, the report actually says that he was fine. There was nothing abnormal about his blood. And she's like, what? And then he's like, okay, we have a plan. And he goes and whispers something in the cop's ear. And do we want to spoil the whole thing we, and all the twists and turns and reveals? Because I don't know that I can explain. Yeah, so we'll, we won't do all the twists and turns and reveals, but the upshot is 
Rans- um, so Ransom had previously decided to switch the bottles. So when she gave him an overdose of morphine, she was actually giving him the regular dose of the thing he was supposed to get because she had instinctually grabbed the right bottle because they looked slightly different even though he had switched the labels. The liquid inside looked slightly different. And so Benoit Blanc figured this out because whoever hired him had hired him before all of this stuff happened and so must have known there was something to come out like the fact that the Slayer Law was going to go into effect. And uh, when the housekeeper was dying, she wasn't saying, you did it. She said, Hugh did it. Because he only made the help call him Hugh. Everybody else called him Ransom. Which is such a fucking on-point dickwad, like, great work. Uh, And then he's like, yeah, well, too bad. If I'm going down, you're going down. And for some reason, his grandfather has a knife of, a chair of knives. Like a full Game of Thrones knife chair in the background. And he grabs the knife and he, like, stabs Marta. Well, so first he's like, so... And it's a trick knife! So they've, they've told him that... Fran survived, and she knows what happened. That's why she got the toxicology report, and she will verify that Ransom is the one who tried to kill her and that Marta saved her. And he's like, so... Then what did I do? I didn't kill anybody. Yeah, so what are they going to do? Attempted murder? I'm going to call lawyers. I'm going to get that all beat. Like, who gives a a fuck? You know, whatever. And then, then Marta barks all over his face. Yeah, which is the only real gross part of the... Yeah. And, and then, then and they, and she's like, actually, she died. So you I, just admitted. I was lying. You just admitted to murder, and he, that's when he grabs the knife and tries to kill her. But it's a trick knife. See also that callback several uh, movie hours ago. And uh, then he gets arrested, and Marta waves, stands in the balcony and waves goodbye to all the terrible white people as they are forced to leave the place that they no longer live or own because Marta wins. And, and they make a point of saying, and remember, you didn't win it by playing their game. You, you won it by playing your game because you're a nice person. Right. If you hadn't done all this nice stuff, then his plan still would have worked. And it was really Marta's kind heart and saving the housekeeper that saved her own life. And, and, and although the housekeeper died, but like Marta's attempt there is what has saved her because Marta is nice and everyone else is bad. What a good movie! It was really good. I really loved it. I loved all the twists. I did sort of think that Christopher Plummer was still alive and would be yeah, popping back Yeah, I kept waiting up. for that because just the this is like something that would happen in one of my novels. Right, he was so down with killing himself. He was like super into it. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, he had clearly, like, he had already done the will switch and everything, and so I think it was clearly his, like, oh, at some point soon I'm gonna die and I hope all these people go to hell. So he seemed fine with it. Yeah, no, he was very chill about dying. Um, and so that... Uh, what a delight. What a delight. It's beautifully shot. So it's shot like Wes Anderson movies, almost. It's less twee, it's easier to watch, and it's less racist. Considerably. <laughs> I love Wes Anderson. I'm aware that that's perhaps a flaw in my personality, but I love Wes Anderson movies and really love them as, like, visual candy, even though they harken back to this candy-colored, all-white history that never happened. Whatever. This was that, but better. This this was clearly a director who loves Wes Anderson and had been inspired by Wes Anderson and that's the way he framed and set up a lot of the shots and a lot of the it's visuals. It's beautiful. You could just you could you could write a lot of papers about a lot of the shot setups. And I, I watched like a 20 minute 
uh, video of Ryan Johnson breaking down like two minutes of the movie because he had so much to say about all of it, but he gets a lot into how he framed it and where he was looking for depth in shots and how he would have people stand in different positions so that every shot that's a, in a group scene, you don't just get shot reverse shot, but you have like a series of people's faces to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he did it's a lot of so it's well done. very beautiful. The entrances and exits are also deliberate. The house is so beautifully styled to be very over the top and garish and ghoulish in a very specific way. They're like, this is my ancestral home. And Benoit Blanc is like, you bought this house in 1988 or whatever it is. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's very on point. And it, it's such a good send up of the murder mystery genre. And, funny while also being a really good and satisfying murder mystery where up until the like you're pretty sure it's chris evans maybe two-thirds of the way through because he's the only character it can't be so it has to be him did that make sense yeah well so they they do they do a good job of being like oh he's terrible but then he's nice to her so maybe he's not in on it but then well, he appears to be helping her and he's the only one who's helping her and everyone else is bad and i was like oh so it's not chris evans so it's definitely chris evans but he is having such. There's an ep, there's a scene where he just tells everyone to eat shit, and he's having the best time. Like I'm not sure anyone's had a better time than Chris Evans in that scene in any movie. Uh, it's just so much fun. Hello, the cats come back. Hello. And it's really it's really smart. Like it's really smart. It's really funny. It just it hangs to get like the murder mystery. It's not like oh this is really funny so I love it even though the mur- mystery is whatever. Like the mystery is still really good and all of the the. All the clues come together and pay off. Like, there's the whole subplot about Jamie Lee Curtis and her husband cheating on her. Like, that comes to a head at the end. Yeah. I didn't realize, but if you follow every scene with the baseball in it, which there's periodically a baseball that somebody will pick up and then set down, if you follow the characters who pick up the baseball, you are following the progression of that plot line in particular. Oh, that's so interesting. It's so so smart. It's so well done. And I know that um, Ryan Johnson got a lot of shit from a lot of, trolls on the internet about his social justice uh agenda ruining star wars and this movie is such a beautiful distillation of a fuck you the white people are bad nazis the 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 girl whose family did not necessarily you know come to this country with papers is the good compassionate kind person who deserves the world and gets it at the end it's really nice and there's even so there's like the of the grandkids like the two younger grandkids there's the kid who's the nazi troll and then there's the the girl who goes to like bard yeah or something. smith something and like then and they the the boy very dismissively is like oh how's your sjw degree and they bicker with each other but then she also sells out barda's yeah. family and it's kind of like yeah performative white people like you want you want to be woke but you don't want to lose your money i mean it's it's again it's every white person coming up to her and going yeah i really wanted you to be at the funeral but i was outvoted it's it's just really smart and thoughtful and and it does it in a way where you can see why lots and lots of people enjoyed this movie and didn't even realize until the end that they were being roasted. Yeah, and it was it was a surprise success. Like, because it did well in the theaters, especially for something that's not a franchise. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not its, own movie, it's not an IP. I've it's seen just... jokes about the Benoit Blanc series of murder mysteries now, where he'll just have a different accent in every movie, and it'll never be explained. I hope they do that, because it has been greenlit for a sequel that would be just Benoit Blanc. Because Ryan Johnson retweeted that joke, so yeah. I don't think he'll actually do that part. But God, I am ready for the Benoit Blanc cinematic universe. What a delight! What a it's delightful just, it's movie! It's just really 
really good. It's and, really and you fun. know when in the first you know fifteen minutes they show you how the murder happened that that is not how the murder happened. But even watching the whole thing, you don't actually know what happened until you get to the confession scene at the end, and that is so well done and so good. Just what a delight! Just a really fun movie. And I will say, I know we promised not to talk about anything again, but in this world that is slightly stressful, I was distracted for a solid two hours watching yeah. this movie. It is very absorbing. I was only on my phone a little bit. Yeah. Well, you had to watch because it's first of all beautiful and second of all you you're gonna miss stuff. Yeah, no, and it's there are a lot of little clues and like the the drop of blood on her oh, shoe yeah. at the end. I kept I kept wondering when that was gonna come back. And because the camera up. does a very deliberate zoom in on it and it goes you get a dun 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 sting at the beginning. So you know it's coming back. And then it, it seems like it's been dropped or forgotten, and then one of the very last lines is the, the call. Goes, how did you know that I was involved? When did you know I was involved? He says, oh, the very minute that I met you, you've got some blood on your shoes. Yeah, like you, you kept putting your best foot forward and looks deliberately down at her shoe, and that's when she realizes there's a blood spot on it. Yeah, it's, it's just great. Um, it's just great. Uh, so that's our, we, we love that. We think everybody should watch it. Um, so, uh... I don't think we had any notes about anything, because it was just good. No, the only thing I would say is that I, I wish that there wasn't so much barf. Like, it's I get it. It was, it was a running joke. It was funny. It was well used, but it was so gross. Yeah, it was, to me, it was okay. There's only the last one that's really gross, and by then I was like, well, I'm kind of braced for it. Um, so, all of our recommendations are things we think you might find comforting, distracting, or distancing in no particular, you know, no special reason. Not for any reason, No. Um, so I'm going to start. So uh, maybe a few weeks ago, I read a trilogy by K.J. Charles, um, the Sins of the City series. Mm. I don't remember what the individual books are called. Um, they are all queer romance in Victorian England. Uh, probably Victorian? Yeah, probably Victorian. Um, I mean, I can tell you when the Victorian era was. I just don't remember when the book was set. So Yeah, they're, they're in like the 1870s maybe. That's Victoriana. Yeah. She dies in 1901. Yeah. Hashtag ask a history teacher. <laughs> um, and so they are, they are very fun. So the first one is really boring. It's just a couple of dudes who are nice. And also there is a murder. Not, yeah. not by either of them. It was pretty dull. I didn't like the first one, but a lot of people do. And you might if you just want a very gentle story about nice people being nice. Yeah, one of them, one of the, they're both good hearted. One of them is, I think, autistic, but obviously they don't use that word. Yeah. And then the other one um, is has asthma and uh, is very nearsighted. It's just very sweet. It's, it's very much about people who have difficulties in their society coming together and falling in love. It's very sweet. I found it kind of boring. The second book. Oh, the second book is everything. Uh, the second book is an absolute delight. So this, the, the conceit of the series is that there's been this murder in the first book and then in the rest of the series they're kind of figuring it out and they discover all of these ramifications of it and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, do not spoil I'm not Anything. going to. Okay, just, it's but, good. So the second book is about these two dudes. One of them is a fake medium. There is no other kind of medium. Spoiler, mediums are not real. Um, but he is a fake Only medium. Only larges and smalls. <laughs> he is a con artist, <laughs> thief, uh, who is very smart and very smug and very good at pulling one over on people. And uh, the other protagonist is a crusading lawyer slash journalist mm -hmm. uh, who is determined to figure out how this con artist is faking his whole mediumship and can't figure it out. 
uh, and they end up getting pulled into investigations of this whole murder mystery. Uh, there's lots of stuff about the medium, who is a very terrible person with no feelings from the streets, who doesn't care about anyone except for all of the people he's adopted and is providing for and educating and, and taking care of. Not because he cares about them, though. Um, and it is wonderful. It's so good. I, um, I love it. I would read so many books about them. And then the third book is um, the culmination of it in which you find out who did the murders and why, um, and the protagonists are a gender-fluid trapeze artist, mm-hmm. um, and his the, he uses male pronouns, so I, I will say his, um, but it is very clearly gender-fluid. Um, and his love interest is private investigator with one arm. Yeah. Um, who is very matter-of-fact about it and very much wishes that everybody else would get over it because he doesn't care. There's a cat on a bookshelf where she should not be. Excuse me, madam, socially distance yourself from us right now. Goodbye. Um, and they are also lovely. Um... The second book is definitely my favorite. Yeah. It, the second book is the best, then then the third book, and then the first. If you like the second book, then go read Think of England. Uh, but then there is a sequel series, which is two books in a short story, um, and they take place maybe 20 years later. Uh, and the first book in that series is... So there, it's called The Lily White Boys is the second series. Uh, the first book is Any Old Diamonds, and it's about this fairly nice dude who has you find out is the son of a duke but he and his siblings have all been cut off because their father murdered their mother and uh so he could marry his mistress and they are trying to steal all of her diamonds to get back at them and so that he's hired a jewel thief and the, the romance is him and the jewel thief and then the second book uh is the jewel thief's partner in crime who is in love with but being chased down by a lady detective who you find out is the adopted daughter of the con artist in the second book in the first series and is wonderful and they are a lot of fun uh anyway so that's five books uh plus there's also a short story that are all very queer and the last one isn't as queer but they're they're mostly all very queer uh and they are very fun and there are some fun good mysteries in them and uh, I tore through them all because they are really good for when you want something that is delightful and not what's happening in the world right now. Okay, so uh, those books are wonderful. Um, I'm going to recommend a bunch of stuff. So I'm going to say one thing you can do is to go on YouTube and watch uh, Google search Baumgartner Restoration. He's this guy who restores old paintings. It's basically ASMR, and this very nice man just explains as he very quietly, like, scrapes glue off a canvas for hours and hours and hours, and it is extremely satisfying on the ASMR end, extremely satisfying to watch him restore these old paintings. It, it It's just, it's like taking a, a, a Xanax or something. It is a delight, and it sounds boring maybe but i put it on and my friends were just immediately hypnotized and like i must watch seven hours of this man restoring painting so that's baumgartner restoration um if you want something a little bit more engaging that you can't just have on in the background um obviously there is love is blind on netflix which if you haven't watched yet i watched because i i watched the whole thing in like one day 
did you know that no one in the world has ever dated without seeing the other person before? This is a big experiment. What will happen? Uh, the answer is that they're all young and attractive people, so it literally could not matter less. But some of them are train wrecks in the most entertaining way, where you're just like, oh shit, do not marry him! Or her! Oh no! And so you get to see them like decide if they're going to get married in three weeks or not, based on the premise that they didn't see each other while they were dating, so somehow this is special? I don't know. It's great. You can watch the whole thing. And Nick Lachey is there, which allowed me the joy of saying, Stay out of it, Nick Lachey! Which, no one knows why I said that, but it was on One Tree Hill. Somebody said that to Nick Lachey on One Tree Hill about 35 years ago. Uh, I'm also going to recommend on Netflix Instant Hotel, which is Airbnb. It's also, you know the TLC show Four Weddings, where people have weddings and they go to each other's weddings and then they raid each other's weddings and they're really mean about it? This is exactly that, but it's Airbnb and it's in Australia. So it's like, what do you think about this Airbnb? Well, I've got crocodiles, but not like, yeah, crocodiles, or whatever it is. And it's amazing and everybody's a monster, particularly Babe and Bondi. Although particularly also the gay guys. They're like the worst. Everybody's kind of terrible except the old man with the mullet, who I really like. Uh, and it is extremely satisfying reality television. Uh, I love it. And then finally, uh, if you want something really charming. Um, so a speedrun is when you attempt to complete a game as quickly as possible. And speedruns come in different categories. So the classic category is called any percent, and any percent means get to the end of the game as fast as possible. You can use any kind of out of bounds or clipping or cheating or whatever. There are other things like 100%, which means you must do everything in the game. Collect every collectible, go to every dungeon, fight every boss. And then there will be other kinds of percents. And uh, there is currently up on YouTube the extremely charming Breath of the Wild Pet All the Dogs percent, where you have to go to all of the stables and pet all of the dogs. And when you have petted all 16 dogs in Breath of the Wild, you win. And uh, this was a race. There was a particular runner who was like, I'm going to put out a race. I'm going to get all my friends who've never speed run Breath of the Wild before to do this. All dogs percent. And uh, he was like, I will give $1,000 to the winner. And then he had 20 of his friends attempt to do uh, pet all the dogs percent of Breath of the Wild. And what is nicer than watching a really beautiful game with all kinds of glitches and crazy tricks that you and I could never do? But it's pet all the dogs percent. That's lovely. That's really I'm, nice. I'm very excited. I, w I mean, I will say, frankly, if you want something to do that is distracting and you have a Switch and you have not played Breath of the oh Wild, my gosh. Hyrule is a much better place. Than go to Hyrule on Friday. We can all go to Animal Crossing. Although, by the time this comes out, Animal Crossing might be out. I will be fully living on my island, which will be called the Cloud Recesses. 100% uh, of my time will then be spent on Cloud Recesses Island in Animal Crossing. I'm never coming back. No one can make me! <laughs> Except maybe Tom Nook, but he wouldn't. He likes it when I owe him bells. Uh, yeah, so Animal Crossing on Switch, Breath of the Wild on Switch. Um, I, I would say Link's Awakening on Switch. I would say Fire Emblem on Switch. Um, we've been doing some Just Dance on Switch. If I could get a copy of Ring Fit Adventure for less than $500, we'd be doing that too. A lot of good distraction to be had there. Highly recommend. Um, anyway, we hope that you are having a relaxing time. Uh, our final our final little note that Becky put into our, our, our document for this week is, uh, don't forget to wash your hands, because we love you, and we want you to take care of yourself. So, uh, 20 seconds. That's uh, 
Fallout Boy from Am I More Than You Bargained For to uh, Notch on Your Bed Post, but he's just a, you're just a line in a song. Or if you would prefer, somebody once told me the, the first two verses. Or if you would prefer the Fresh Prince of Bel Air rap uh, from Well, this is a story up until all oh, shooting some b ball outside of the school, and you don't have to wait for the instrumental break if you, like me, always stop for the instrumental break. Can you tell that I spend all day trying to get teenagers to wash their hands? Uh, it is the Black Parade from uh, When I Was a Young Boy Up Until the Broken, the Beaten, and the Damned. Surely one or happy birthday twice. The Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, yeah. that's the same as happy birthday? Yeah. It's the same song. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Twinkle Twinkle and ABC are the same that's, song. That's the one I was like, it's the same as something, but I don't think no, it's No, Twinkle Twinkle is longer, which is why you only need to do Twinkle Twinkle, but the happy birthday you should do twice. Okay. So you have <laughs> many options, uh, but we're going to say have a good week or however long it is until we send out our next podcast and uh, stay socially distant and wash your hands and take care of yourself. Yeah, we love you from a distance. Bye. 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 <laughs>